Hey there, everybody. Shel Broadnax here with another episode of Stager Talk, and I'm super excited to uh, talk today with my good friend Judy Weber. How are you? I am so good, Shell. How are you doing today? I'm excellent. You know, I want to share a little bit um, with everybody else. Um, I know a lot of people in our industry absolutely know who you are, but if you're newer to the industry and haven't been around and seen Judy speak on our webinars and on our stages, Judy is a uh, women's business strategist and she helps women scale their businesses. And she's a founder and host of a globally ranked joyful scaling podcast and the president and founder of Judy Weber Company, a boutique consult consultancy, kind of mess up my words here today, a boutique consultancy for women in business. She specializes in helping unapologetically ambitious female CEOs scale their business well beyond six figures with simplicity using proof of joyful scaling method. I love that. Well, thank you. I, yeah, you got to do business with joy and simplicity because there's no need to overcomplicate. So I'm really excited to be here and talking about one of my favorite subjects, HR. Yeah, HR practices. So also with Judy, with all those creds that I just said and how amazingly amazing she is, she is also an attorney and specializes, has a specialty in an HR background. So talking about hiring practices, uh, one of the biggest things I think um, affecting stagers who especially, now this is, we're gonna talk about a bunch of stuff, Judy. So scaling their business, going from small potatoes, singleton, solopreneur to adding on somebody. And what is the first thing they wanna do when they add on somebody? They want the help and they say, I'll 1099 you so I don't have to pay all those pesky payroll taxes. And Judy, what does an attorney say to that method of thinking? Well, it might sound good in your brain and you might wish it were so, but it's not so. We can't call somebody a 1099 independent contractor and just because we call them that, that they are. The law has very specific requirements as to what would differentiate an employee from a 1099 or an independent contractor. And so here's here's a very sit, a simple litmus test. That is, if you direct what this person is doing, you know, a majority of the time, and you provide them the tools, the business tools to do their work, they're nine times out of 10 gonna be an employee, yeah. not an independent contractor. Independent contractors are more like consultants. They're project-based. They work when they say they want to work. They do their work as they see fit. So don't fall into that trap because you could be seeing penalties upon penalties if you get caught doing that. Very, very bad. <laughs> Absolutely. In addition, it's really a disservice to your employee. These people are working with you. So if you're, if you're misclassifying them, they are missing out on Social Security, taxes being contributions. So contributing to that for them. They are missing out on what would be a right of an employee, vacation benefits, um, workers' comp coverage, um, you yeah. name it. I mean, there's just so many things that are going to go, that can go wrong with that. And then if, when you get caught, they back penalty you. Hmm. And, and then that employee can come back and sue for lost wages, um, miss everything that it would have to do with anything being misclassified. Yeah. And I'm smiling only because, you know, there's the fees that you're going to owe and the penalties and all of that, but then your attorney's fees, let me tell you, attorneys are expensive. Yeah. I mean, a cheap one's $300 an hour and that's someone you wouldn't probably want because they're not good. So I always recommend that every small business owner has a local 
business specialist, right? Not a, you know, um, jack of all trades. They need to know employment law. They need to know business law in order to best advise you because they know nuances that the generalist won't know. And that's ultimately, you might, might hate to pay that check, but let me tell you something. The money you pay to your attorney is the best money you could spend when you find a specialist. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when let's talk about scaling the business. So like I said, when they first people first want to scale, scale they think, okay, I'm going to bring somebody in. We're going to misclassify them. Um, but let's just say they bite the bullet and say, I'm not going to misclassify them. I am scared as all get out. I don't know how I'm going to pull off paying the payroll taxes, everything else is that I need to do and to get those processes in place. Now, I'm sure you're going to say probably the same thing that I would say, but I'm going to ask you because my mind of thinking is build it and they will come. What is your, what from your vantage point, how does that work mentally for the person making that shift? Okay. That's so good. I love this question. Okay. So when you approach this whole aspect of hiring, you've got to come from a place of power and not fear. Because when you're afraid and you're like, oh my gosh, can I do this? I mean, there will be some fear the first time you do it, but you can't let that be the controlling emotion. It's got to be from a place of power. I am a CEO and that's what I do. I help my clients hone their CEO skills, right? Your decision-making, your strategic thinking. And so to your point, Shell, you know, you need to kind of Look at the business, not only where it is now and the current needs, but look ahead, look at your goals for the year. And then you kind of map out, and it doesn't have to be anything special, an org chart. Okay, here's little me. <laughs> now, who do I need where? What tasks need to be done? What skill sets are required? And maybe one person can cover a couple of different things. But the short answer is decide that you, you know best. Nobody will know better than you as to who and what you need right now. So let's start right there. Yeah, absolutely. Could not agree more. And the mindset too, coming you know from a place of power and not fear. I get it, man. It is scary stuff doing big girl stuff. You know, we are women, but we want to say we are women. We are empowered. We can go out and we can make these things happen. And it, I really have, I'm a firm believer of the build it and they will come. Um, I know your business and you personally, you are very, very faith-based. Um, I am faith-based in probably a little slightly different type of way. Um, but I, the, the cornerstone of both of us is we believe that the universe, God, will provide and we have faith in this that will happen and we build it and and it's going to come and it's going to happen now that doesn't mean you don't have struggles along the way doesn't mean you don't hit an obstacle doesn't mean somebody's throw a wrench in somewhere mm -hmm. but those are your building blocks and your foundation to to be able to move forward and continue to grow and yeah. just to, to have the faith that this will all work out as well be smart have your numbers go by your data but you've got to have that um that want on the inside the drive the hunger yeah. Yeah. Belief is the number one differentiator. I think your faith, Yeah, whatever that looks like for you, for me, faith in Christ, um, but faith and belief in your mission, in your calling, in the fact that you're an expert, you don't have to know everything. Guess what? Nobody does. Um, but yes, refer to, if you have an accountant and you should, or a bookkeeper, look at the numbers. How are things trending? You know, ask an accountant, who knows payroll to say, okay, what, what am I looking at based upon this revenue? 
as far as taxes and other expenses? What do I need to think about? And I agree with you, Shell, to the extent that you've got to be aggressive in business, okay? And unapologetically so, because are we in it to dip our little toes in the water or are we in it to win it? And so we've got to be smart. Like we shouldn't necessarily out of the gate hire 10 people if we've never done that before and if we're just starting our business. But we need to, as I say, think ahead in the future and kind of uh, hire ahead of time with the anticipation and with the marketing strategy in place and your sales process in place so that everything's ready to rock and roll to be able to absorb those additional costs. And I'd love to talk about how when you do it right, the employee is going to help to drive revenue. Can we talk about that for a minute? Oh my gosh, that's my favorite subject. Are you kidding me? <laughs> employees that pay for themselves? Tell me more, Judy Weber. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of times people don't think about this. They think of the hire as an expense. But yeah. here's the thing. You hire the right person and get really specific about what you want in that person and have these high expectations, high standards, have a great hiring process, which I'll go into, you know, at Resacon this year. Uh, but you need to understand that this live body here that will be a part of your business can absolutely drive revenue. And depending on what the role is, will depend on what that looks like. But it starts with you setting the example, setting the pace, and setting the goal. So for example, I would imagine that there are some stagers right now who have a social media manager. Now, I, I have certain feelings about that. I don't know that it's needed, but I know that so many hate social, so they just delegate it. But a lot of times they just delegate it and they're paying hundreds and hundreds of dollars a month. They're not even looking at what the social, what the so-called expert, social media expert is doing. They have no expectations set. Hey, I want you to bring in so many leads for me a month. Hey, I want you to grow my following with real people, like people who are my people, my ideal clients, not just anybody. Like you've got to set KPIs, key performance indicators or goals for your people that will drive revenue, like followers, like leads, like sales consults. You know, hey, I want you to, if, if sales, uh, a social media person is doing outbound engagement, then part of their thing should be, I want you to push, and I say that in quotes, I want you to have as a goal, so many sales consults booked every week. I mean, if they don't have that, then how are you able to track the what they're doing in their work and really what is that what is their work doing if you don't have these goals set? Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree. I'm very uh, my whole background in business was always very goal oriented and strategic in nature because it was sales collections things like that. You EOM, you know, and EOQ. You just EO year. It's just yep. everything. It's push, 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 push. And with stagers, the same thing people have to analyze your data of, of what it is that your actual business is doing. So if you're going to be in CEO mode and you're hiring for all these different positions, you have to be able to uh, judge their performance. And it's perfect when sales, when you're putting those goals to it and they know how many did you call? So if you called 10 and you booked one, that's a good start. So mm -hmm. now let's raise that goal up a little bit. And I always think to raise your goal slightly higher than what you feel is realistic. Slightly higher just to scare the pants off you a little bit is what I like to say. Because here's the thing. If you set a goal to reach, I'm just going to use a round number, 100, and you hit 98, are you mad at yourself, really? I don't think so. I hope not. 
I hope not, because you did pretty good. That to me is not a failure. But I will tell you for me and for most people that are goal-oriented, salesy type people, especially if they're you're remunerating them through a commission base, when they get to that 90, get out of the way because they're on fire because they're trying to get to that 100. So there's something to be said for when you're looking for the right people, matching those incredible job descriptions. You've got to have a great job description with the expectations as well with the skill sets. So you can find the right people that are going to fit into that. It's yeah. so imperative. Yeah, it is. It is. And uh, to your point too, the sales is an obvious one, right? You know, I need you to drive so many sales to us every, every week, every month or whatever. That's easy. But I want our very smart stagers listening to think about every job. How could that person's uh, tasks, everything they're doing as they're interacting with clients, uh, be they past clients, current clients, and you know all of it. I mean, it, you would be amazed if you would think about the importance of someone even answering your phone. Like, like, are they answering with a smile? Yeah. Are they inviting? Are they, do they go above and beyond, which really doesn't take that much more effort than barely getting by, you know, what is, what is their motivation and, and how are they really showing up? And by the way, how are you setting the pace? You as an example, you as the manager, you setting up the expectations, because if you have a stage you're out at a job and I know half the stagers are maybe more do vacant as opposed to occupied and maybe the sellers aren't even home, but if they are, or when they get back and they look at what you've done, if they'll be able to know if, if the person that did the job loves what they do or rushed it. Yeah. So all that to say the little things can mean all the difference. Absolutely. I think it's important too, for staff to understand what the overall goals are for the company as a whole. What's the why so many people put emphasis on the wrong thing, meaning the money, Mm-hmm. Um, they, they make the focus all about the money instead of focusing on mastery, all the, all the different roles within the organization. So to, to piggyback on what you were saying, did somebody like doing their job or not? If that person is, you know, staging, if it was like a lead stage or something, they were coming in and they were not happy at the company for whatever reason, could be HR issues, could be pay issues, uh, lack of fulfillment, whatever it is. And they don't do a stellar job and they're not focused on the mastery your overall goal as the company is not going to get hit because every every department in your company, every person has to be focused on mastery mm-hmm. and um, in order to make it all work. So you got to treat them fairly. You got to pay them well. Um, you got to have buy-in. Um, I always like to say, I don't like to micromanage. I, I used to, when I was younger, I liked to manage a whole bunch of teams and I was, you know, cheering them on and you know, rah, rah, and getting them to their goals. I was a sales manager and collections manager. So I knew how to do that. Now I want to find great people and I want to turn them into a position and I want to get out of their way, man. I'm like, just make this yours. Go, go do you boo and report back to me what you did. That's what I'm looking for now. And I think it's about empowering your staff because I know um, like Felicia and Joanna, I'm sure they have an appreciation of this. When I say it's your call, it's your call. That's your call. What do you recommend? That's your call. And I, I always, I do that with them. Very few times will I step in and say, no, no, I, re- I want to do it this way. But you've got to empower your staff in order to make it all work. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you tell your people, you said you give them what they need to succeed. 
Okay. You give them the training they need. You give them the policies, whatever they need to know and to master, as you said, not just know it, but master their skill sets. And then you say, this is yours. Do you own this task? Like, like give them that responsibility. And then, as you said, where you're giving them a whole lot of responsibility, then reward them when they do a great job. And I think communication is ginormous in that just an ongoing open communication. And as you said, shall, you know, let them know that you trust them. Like this is yours. And most people will step up and say, you know what? Wow. I really appreciate that. And I'm going to, I'm going to wow her. One other thing to piggyback on the company culture. We touched on it. I just want to emphasize it. Your company culture and values need to be in your job description somewhere. You need to impress upon them what you stand for and what you don't tolerate. <laughs> and maybe that sounds like a lot in the job description, but I'll, I'll be giving some samples too at RisaCon so that you'll see it's really important for you to get specific because the messaging and the words you use in your job descriptions is going to be what calls out people. So if you're playing small in your job description and you're kind of holding back on what's important to you, then you're going to scratch your head when people coming in the applicants and you're like, wait a minute, that's not good. That's not good. So we really need to be bold. There's the, I think that's the theme for the day. We're empowered. We're bold. We're decisive. We're CEOs. And that is how we do everything. We want to lay it all out there as clearly as we can, because the messaging and the words we use everywhere with clients, with so-called, you know, soon to be applicants, it all matters. Yeah. And it does. I think it's a good thing to get it out there from day one when somebody's reading it. For some reason, they're turned off by that, by, you know, your company's culture and standards and what you're what you stand for, then need not apply. Just keep scrolling. Yes, that's the goal of this whole thing. That's the goal of the hiring process. And I recommend that no matter what level from the lowest, quote unquote, to the most responsible, right? I would have them, I would have the job description and then have a link to apply, like they to go to a Google doc or something. And they have to fill that out and have on there certain things, which again, I'll go over specifics at Resacon. But the goal of the application and those questions is for them to self-qualify and more importantly, for you to qualify. So when something comes through your desk, you're like, Nope, I'm not even going to waste time talking to them, you know, so it saves time on both ends. What's your thought on um, something like the online services uh, for job applicants? Um, well, the first place I like to suggest you go to hire is really for friends and colleagues. I mean, I think that we I think we underestimate our stretch, you know, the six degrees of separation. And so. Yeah. You might be surprised if even on Facebook, you say, you know what, we're growing and we're looking to hire X, Y, or Z. Who do you know? I am always amazed when I do that, the fact that I actually get not one, but many like reach out. So I would always start there. But I think when we're talking about services, we have to be really careful. And that's where the more we know our business, the more we're decisive about what we're looking for and where those people are likely to be found then that, that helps to inform whether we do that or this, you know? So it's very, it's very specialized in my opinion. I've seen a lot of people waste a lot of money and that's why I always like to go organic. Um, Yeah. It's a lot of money, some of them. And then the quality, A, that people don't follow instructions uh, on the hiring, like what you need, Mm -hmm. fill out this form, send a resume. I want a cover letter, whatever it may be. 
um, and just the errors and it, it's just like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to do that. Right. I mean, I, I do think that you should, in addition to that, now I wonder how you think about this. Like I like to require on the application to do a short, no more than three minutes video as to why you're applying and why you think you're the best one for the job. And that will alone disqualify a bunch because they won't want to do it. And maybe you might say, Ooh, not you shell, but others listening. They might say, Oh my gosh, well, what if a great person would be great, but they didn't want to do the video. Well, that's yeah. your call if you want to do it. But again, I'm not taking, I'm not, I'm not making orders or expectations out of a place of, uh Oh, what if I'm placing orders saying, this is a darn good job. I have a great company to work for. And so I'm going to require them. So they have to go through this hoop if they want the opportunity. Might as well. I mean, I remember back in the day, I remember applying for jobs, Judy, where I had to go in and take a typing test, Mm. a typing test. Y'all, this was before computers were invented. This was a literal typewriter test to test your typewriting skills. Um, I remember learning on a typewriter that was not electric even, um, but at least when I went in for the typing test, they did have electric uh, typewriters at that point and stage of my life, but mm-hmm. I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> can I say? I know. It seems like yesterday. So no, we're not getting old. We just have great memories or something. <laughs> That's a miracle in itself. If I have a memory for the day, I'm into it. Um, oh, you know, yeah. The other thing I think too, about when you're hiring people, again, for me, I've already said, you know, I want people to own it. I want them to own their jobs but also getting their, uh, the employee participation in creating uh, your SOPs, standard operating procedures, um, so the company can run efficiently. I think that's also a task that you, people would want their input on. But in addition to the SOPs, how important is the employee handbook? Mm, that is so important. And I can tell you as a former director of HR, that is our Bible, right? When stuff happens, you better have all your policies in there. And for those that are going to be attending RisaCon, I'm giving a sample policy with, of course, caveats that depending on what state you're in or if you're from the province of Canada, you know, you always want to get that checked. But the policy manual is a beautiful resource. It makes you seem polished and professional. And heck, you need to think through all these things, right? Well, how are you going to pay your people? Um, you know, are you going to allow direct deposit? What's the vacation policy? What's the meal and break policy? Basic things like that, among others, that really need to be clearly stated. And you're not going to want people to, you know, one-offing you questions here and there. Wouldn't it be easier to just, as a part of the onboarding process, you hand them the policy manual, you ask them to read it, and there's a cute little acknowledgement form that says, yes, I received that. Again, as HR director and general counsel of a company, I'm telling you that is so important. You put that in their employee file. That way, if they ever come back and say, you never told me, oh, yes, you see this document? (laughs) You sure did. You, You saw it. Yeah, absolutely. I could not agree more with that. And it's, I'm amazed too at, um, so anybody who's been an entrepreneur for a while uh, and whether this career or a different career, and then you rolled into this one. And if you're at the point where you're hiring, you're going to have some sticker shock out there. Cause let me tell you, it's again, back in the day when I was working for other people, it's like when you got a raise, you know, the standard raises were like 50 cents an hour, 
it's which is and it wasn't even about cost of livings and percentages and everything is just so modernized now we're we're going through right now a, a revamp at hq reviewing all of our policies and what we want to do and making sure that we're making sure that we're treating our, our team fairly and we're taking care of them because the great resignation through COVID and you know people not going back to work and then people trying to get back on we want to keep our team happy and healthy and yeah. um yeah it's so important mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah and and i think that a lot of times people think well i only have one person it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter right it, it really doesn't because but but again there may be people that are like, I want to keep my business small. Look, I will tell you, I run a sophisticatedly simple business. I'm high ticket, higher premium services, high touch, high level. And I get paid for it because of the results I get from my clients. So maybe you want to stay smaller, but you also can stay small by having two, three or five people. That's still a, what I would call a sophisticatedly simple business. And you're not having dozens of people. So in any event, I mean, you just look like, and you will feel like a more empowered CEO when you have that document, when you Absolutely. have it. And even with just a, one person, just, you know, an, an owner and one employee having the handbook, the employee handbook, handing your, your standard operating procedures manual, having all those things and your inventory and how you're managing an inventory system. One day you're going to be tired of schlepping sofas. So whether you want to stay as a two person team and take that company. And now that gives you so much more value when you have those types of documents. And of course your financials, then you can sell the business instead of having a fire sale and selling sofas for pennies on the dollar. Yeah. Yeah. That is such a great point. I knew someone who had a related uh, real estate industry, um, had a real estate team, nearly a million dollars in revenue coming in, but the CRM was a mess. She didn't have client lists. Talk about a fire sale. I mean, it was sad. So no matter if you're just getting started or you've been in this for a while, make now, make 2022 the year when you get things in order because you you and everybody that works with you will ultimately benefit. Yeah, absolutely. I think also um, too, when you're an entrepreneur and especially if you're first starting out, I think 99.9% .9 of entrepreneurs do this uh, to some degree is they shortcut things in the beginning just to get it done and get it done quick. And I'll circle back around when I have time, I have more money, I have this big, big mistake. I've done it. I know everybody that I know has done it. Try not to do it as much as others. <laughs> Try not to do it as much as you're probably inclined to because sometimes it's the easier way to do it. Or you think, oh, I'm just one person. I can, I'll, I'll remember this and I won't log it into a system or, you know, I'll figure what out that is, or I'm going to back burner that and you never get back to it. And then it ends up just, it's just a big ball of yarn that just gets unmanageable over time. So try to always get your policies procedures down pat from the beginning. Think about what you want to look like long-term and do it from the get-go. That's a great point. And the analogy of the ever-growing ball of yarn is so good because we think just what you said, we think we're going to get to it. We're going to get to it, but the business, you know, God willing, will only grow. And here's what I've done to try to wrap things up so that I don't have that growing ball of yarn. At the end of every day, I give myself 15 minutes to say, okay, what needs to be wrapped up? What did I not get done? And maybe, maybe there's an ongoing project that I can't get done that day. Well, I'm going to take pen to paper and I'm going to write what I need to do or something. Because what I found is if I don't, some of those longer term projects, we lose track of where we are. 
Yeah. So, and, and that's just a total nightmare. So when you can, you can do it scrappily. Doesn't have to be pretty, right? If you could just say, you know what? I only have a half an hour, but I'm going to do what Shell says and Judy says, and I'm going to start writing my major policies and, and whatever. Really, you will thank yourself later for that. Yeah. Just start. It is, it, it can, it doesn't have to be a PETA project. It really doesn't. It's just one of those things we need to say, you know what? This is the correct thing to do for the company. And that's what we do here is we do the correct things for our business because it matters. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, we are at the end of our time, Judy. It is always so great to be able to connect with you. And I'm super excited and very appreciative you're speaking at ResaCon this year. Thank you. You are so welcome. And Shell, thank you for the opportunity. I cannot wait to meet all of these wonderful stagers live in Vegas. Absolutely. And if you haven't gotten your ticket yet and you want to check out more about Judy's session, it's HR Best Practices, Hiring and Retaining Top Talent to Optimize Revenue Growth and stay legal because remember she's an attorney and she's going to give it to you straight because she wants you to be successful so resaconvention.com get your ticket and we will see you in july until next time happy staging everybody take care